It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. My name is Laura Morris. I have been a teacher in Loudoun County Public Schools for five years and a teacher for 10. In that time, I have learned so much, being on the cutting edge of educational technology and working with a diverse population of students that I have loved. This year, I have the privilege to follow my amazing fourth graders up to fifth, and I have been excited about this all summer. On the other hand, this summer, I have struggled with the idea of returning to school knowing that I'll be working yet again with a school division that despite its shiny tech and flashy salary, promotes political ideologies that do not square with who I am as a believer in Christ. After reading about your lack of consideration for the growing population of concerned citizens in this division, clearly evidenced by this empty room tonight where you shut the doors to the public as well as the emails sent by the superintendent last year reminding me that a dissenting opinion is not allowed even to be spoken in my personal life going so far as to send a form to my colleagues and i encouraging us to fill it out if we hear one another speaking against the controversial policies being promoted by this school board and adopted in this county not only that but within the last year i was told in one of my so-called equity trainings that white christian able-bodied females currently have the power in our schools and that quote this has to change. Clearly, you've made your point. You no longer value me or many other teachers you've employed in this county. So since my contract outlines the power that you have over my employment in Loudoun County Public Schools, I thought it necessary to resign in front of you. School board, I quit. I quit your policies, I quit your trainings, and I quit being a cog in a machine that tells me to push highly politicized agendas on our most vulnerable constituents, the children. I will find employment elsewhere. I encourage all parents and staff in this county to flood the private schools. All right, so that was a Laura Morris, who's a a teacher, was a teacher in Loudoun County. That was her resignation. We played that for you yesterday, but I wanted to remind you of the drama taking place in that area of the country. It's really, uh, you know, a microcosm of the drama taking place in school boards and schools with parents fighting school boards uh, all over the country. It's amazing. All I can say is, before I say anything further, don't stop fighting. Don't stop fighting. This is why we're continuing to encourage you to run for school board, to get organized in your community. We've done uh, interviews with Terry Dietrich, who is offering to organize, help you organize. We've heard, by the way, from, oh, tons of you that want to get involved and want to do something where you live. And um, we're, we're connecting you with Terry, and hopefully, God willing, we'll be able to put something together to help you figure out how to uh, organize a campaign and run yourself or find somebody to run. But let's just take it back, okay? Let's take back our schools. Meanwhile, I would say you might want to consider, you know, private school, homeschooling. Uh, you, you 
consider what you can do in your circumstances. And pastors listening to me, it's time for you. Can you start a one-room school in your in your school? Can you can you devote one space and have you know go back to the old one-room school thing if you can't afford? I, and I understand that uh, the, a big school and a lot of teachers. Could you afford? Uh, could you afford like two teachers, one teacher? Could you have a volunteer? Maybe someone like Laura, who uh, is a sounds to me like she's a great teacher, a concerned teacher. Hire her, give her a job, and establish a school uh, that teaches children values and does not force them uh, into this uh, this madness. And so, and just to give you an example, of, oh, so I didn't tell you, I don't think I told you, that the Loudoun County School Board last night, oh, they voted, no one came to this particular meeting that I know of, at least not a lot of parents, after the meeting the night before, because what's the use? There, The vote was 7 to 2, to ignore the parents and all the hundreds and hundreds of people. 200 people spoke the night before, but they don't care. So they passed 80, policy 8040 which allows or requires teachers to use preferred pronouns and, of course, allows gender-confused children to use bathrooms and facilities and on and on it goes. So I want to kind of give you uh, the really the practical manifestation of what they just mandated. Besides the fact that this is totalitarian, uh, it is uh, the opposite of what public schools were intended to be, where there was a parent-teacher organization, there were responsible administrators and teachers who loved the kids. The administrators did, too. This is so upside down, and it's because back in the 80s, the school, the National Education Association completely corrupted the relationships between teachers and parents and administrators. And I've been watching it. I've had a front row seat for a long time. And they have really, this is their day, man. They've taken over and look what they've done. They must be very proud. So on, I think it's on TikTok, a teacher from, we don't know her name. It says her. Now she looks like a man. She has like um, spiky hair. It's real short, like a man's on the side. She has a, a, bla, a shirt on. It's got flamingos. I think she has a pearl necklace, but she very much looks like a man. I don't know her name. But she sort of gave us a living color example, yeah, living color, living uh, sound color uh, of uh, what the future is in Loudoun County and other places across the country if we don't continue to fight. Let's listen. (sighs) Guys, I messed up. I messed up. So I had a kid on Monday. They said their pronouns were she, her. Then on Wednesday... Yesterday, they came to me and they said, you know what? My pronouns are they, them. I want you in the class to use they, them. Okay, cool, great. They come to class today. There's names on desks in groups for assigned seats. They can't find theirs because I guess my first class knocked it off. So I go to the class. Hey, is she in anyone's group? Does anyone see her name? (sighs) It took me five minutes to realize what I did. So, someone asked a question yesterday, what do you do when you mess up? Well, we all mess up. So what I did when they were sitting by themselves, I approached them and said, I screwed up, didn't I? And they said, yep. And I said, I am so sorry. That is completely 100% my fault. You know what? That's enough. I apologize. She goes on and on and on and on. And that's enough. That's a teacher. That's your children's potential teacher. uh, By the way, tattoos, pearl pearl bracelet, uh, flamingo shirt, uh, butched hair. uh, uh, Says it's a woman, but 
doesn't look like a woman. Okay, so, uh, and I'm so sorry. I got the pronouns wrong. It was a he, she, and I said, and they wanted to be they, them, and I said he, she, or she, her, sorry. I will never get the pronouns straight, and you know what? I don't want to. That's the truth. I don't want to. So I'm not too worried about getting it accurately. All I can tell you is it's bizarre. It's bizarre, and that's what the board in Loudoun County just voted for, how how they're out of their minds and we are living in a dystopia that we never thought possible. So that's why I can't stop fighting, because the truth is still the truth. Uh, they This deserves ridicule. This is ridiculous. It deserves ridicule, and we should give them ridicule. So um, uh, people in Loudoun County don't give up. Uh, you, you guys are s- smart. You are so smart. What a wonderful group of people. And you have been a, a kind of a, an example to the nation of how to organize. And you're not done yet, are you? So um, I think there are lots of races. I know there are. They're going to get these uh, school board members out. I don't know the timeline, but watch them. Just sit back and watch and see how things change. All right, let me give you some good news because there is some good news. Except before I give you the good news, I forgot there's another clip I want to play for you. You think maybe that it's just happening in schools? Well, no, because uh, it's also happening in the White House. The White House has hired an, um, an intern called Cooper, and they did an official video with him, with Jen Psaki. That's her, the voice you'll hear. And uh, he's in the White House walking around talking about how excited he is to be a White House intern, as well he should be. But he has his own special brand of, uh, of the way he says it. Let's listen to clip four. He's calling. <laughs> See you, Daddy. Bye. Hi, my name is Cooper, and this is a day in my life as a White House intern. We did a joke. <laughs> hey, everyone. Oh. Usually, I start off with a big coffee. Sorry, they're like really strict in here. Hey, Jenny, I booked you a nail appointment, love. Yeah, I didn't tell you to do that. It's called initiative. <laughs> Hi, White House, this is Cooper. Mm, I don't think so. Oh, doesn't matter. This is actually the entrance to the West Wing. This is so fun and it's really prestigious. Hey, POTUS. Is Olivia Rodrigo still here? No. We've come a long way in our fight against this virus. We've vaccinated 160 million Americans. Are you getting this all down? Don't worry, Queen. It's all right here. Cooper. Sorry, Miss Jen. And Jen, don't forget to have fun. Spirit fingers, mama. We need to get shots. Right, in so the arms that's enough of that of too. So he's he's promoting shots, and that's how he goes up. But put, but my point is not the shots. It's this is bizarre. Jen Saki is in the video. He's very uh, overtly gay. Very what we call out and proud. Uh, and he's wearing shorts. And a, an interns in the White House never dress like this. Uh, he's wearing some sort of a. Shorts and striped socks, it's just, and his hair's all spiked again. It's just bizarre, and so that's your White House. That's your President, President Biden. That's your press secretary. Talk about the corruption, uh, the corruption and the degradation of our culture. That's where we are. All right, so uh, let me give you the good news, I promise, because last night, <laughs> last night, Chuck Schumer, well, actually it was this morning. It was just a few hours ago at 4 a.m. after they had finished all of their Voting on all these, uh, they call the the voterama, where they try to add amendments to this horrible bill. It's something. It's a procedure that they do every time they pass a reconciliation bill. But uh, so this is the particularly horrible uh, bill that we've been talking about, which did pass last night. This is the second bill. It's not the passed in the Senate. It's uh, the one that the uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and others say, ha- if the infrastructure bill 
uh, is to pass that people in Congress have to pass this nearly $5 trillion bill as well. So as if that weren't enough, after they finished, it was 15 hours, by the way, of amendment votes, um, Chuck Schumer just decided he would introduce, you know, that voting bill, the one that would cause the Democrats to be able to take control of everything and assure us that we would not have a fair and free election in 2022. That's my editorial remark about it. So um, Schumer brought it out, tried to to pass it on a unanimous consent, which he would have he would have done, except Ted Cruz was watching. He was awake and paying attention, and he objected to it. It only takes one senator to object, and Ted Cruz objected. He deserves our thanks today, and this is going to be the way it's going to be. They're going to try to sneak it through. I had already had this predicted to me before by people that I know that they're going to look for every opportunity to bring it up when people are not paying attention. And so that's what that's what Schumer did last night. So, But thank God Cruz was there. Okay, I have so much news. Let me just repeat, uh, remind you that these, um, um, Mike, uh, Mike Lindell is doing his uh, cyber symposium. Today is the last day. Uh, if you go to frankspeech.com, you can watch it. And if you go to frankspeech.com, you can find, you can listen to the things that happened the first two days. Great information about all 50 states. And so I uh, just want to give him a shout-out because he does, certainly deserves that shout-out. By the way, there's all kinds of drama over there. A person had a heart attack that was key to it. Another person who was on a plane coming to present some crucial evidence had their office ransacked and threats uh, while they were in the air and ended up not presenting. So it's, it's you know, it's warfare. And so Mike Lindell needs our prayers, and you would learn a lot if you turn to frankspeech.com, uh, Frank Speech. And by the way, Dominion is suing Newsmax and One America News and others. Uh, I forgot, uh, the guy who was the founder of Overstock, Patrick Byrne. Uh, they're suing all of those people for like a billion dollars. Is it a billion? I think it is a billion dollars. And, um, you know, they're vicious. And they are the suit that Sidney Powell, they brought against Sidney Powell and uh, Rudy Giuliani is also proceeding thanks to a, a, a lower court judge. So that's a real quick synopsis. I'm sorry. That's as much time as I have to tell you about it. Uh, but, um, yeah, I have so much to tell you. But really, you sent me such interesting email. And that's really what I spent most of the morning reading was your email. So when we come back, I'm just going to jump into that. I don't think I can get all of the news in today. So uh, you'll be the news today. And I hope you'll stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch, too. You can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number 833 Bible. That's 833 Bible. 833 Bible. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today, we pray for Michael Sue, acting comptroller of the currency. He works to ensure the federal banking system operates in a safe and sound manner, providing fair access to financial services and complying with laws and regulations. Psalm 3721 reminds us of financial responsibility and generosity. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Michael Sue in his work at the OCC. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Parents and healthcare workers are rising up and fighting back against mandatory mask orders. Protests erupted at school boards across the Fruited Plain. In Kentucky, more than 1,000 people turned out to protest. In Nashville, hundreds inundated a school board meeting, vowing to recall any member who voted to force kids to wear masks. In Memphis, children have to wear face coverings outside, even though the heat index is 105 degrees. Healthcare workers in North Carolina are considering their options after hospitals ordered workers to get vaccinated or find other work. We are now at a decision point in American history. Do we bend a knee to government and forsake our civil liberties, or do we stand and fight? My recommendation is to fight. Do not surrender your constitutional rights. My new book is out, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl. You can order a signed copy on my website, toddsterns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, I'm not even going to play a clip this morning. I'm going to jump right in because I, I want to. I do need to give you just a few more bits of information here. We are tracking the COVID situation, the masking, the the vaccines as best we can. Um, so here's some new data that just came out, and look, it, according to this report, the White House is even concerned about this, and basically it is. Um, a new study that's showing that the Pfizer vaccine in July was only 42% effective against the Delta variant. Um, uh, Moderna was uh, 92% effective. Oh, hang on. I got to get this right. <clears throat> there were two different uh, periods of time that they're reporting. Uh, let me go down to this. Overall, it, uh, this study found that Mo- the Moderna vaccine was 86% effective. Uh, and Pfizer's was 76% effective. That's over the particular period. That, and this is this summer. Moderna's vaccine was 7, 92% effective against hospitalization. Pfizer, Pfizer's was 85%. So um, there, there's more. They said the study is not peer-reviewed, but it raises serious questions about the long-term effectiveness of Pfizer's vaccine and, and, the, and the other one, too, uh, because... Um, there's another stat here. In Florida, the risk of, of infection in July for people fully vaccinated with Moderna was about 60% lower than for people fully vaccinated with Pfizer. Okay, so that's uh, just that's interesting information. 
But this makes it even more interesting to me because there's an article in Axios a few days ago. Uh, it says Pfizer said uh, it and BioNTech is expected expect to be able to develop and produce a tailor-made vaccine against the Delta variant in approximately 100, day, 100 days after a decision to do so, subject to regulatory approval. Pfizer is the one who is uh, trying to develop a vaccine for children. Uh, they're the ones, I think, that were first approved, I believe. But the, the, the twist on this to me, and maybe I should have known this, but I guess I just it's just too, too many dots to connect, and uh, I can't connect all of them because this is not the only thing I make the focus of my study. So um, it turns out that Pfizer, I think Pfizer, I've noticed all along, they get preferential treatment. And in fact, right now they're trying to uh, get official approval from the FDA on Pfizer just in time for the American military to have to have the vaccine. Now, isn't that interesting? So Pfizer, they, they they, the FDA is pushing to get approval for Pfizer. Why would they do that, given what I just told you? Well, I don't know, but I just noticed in this article that Bill Gates uh, has invested in bio, BioNTech. Uh, he has invested uh, five, over $550 million. And that's, uh, that's probably, he's probably invested more than that. So Bill Gates is the one who's really involved with BioNTech and Pfizer. So I just, you just wonder, you know, is that maybe the re- Do you suppose people are in this for money? Do you suppose that uh, Anthony Fauci and others who have patents on these uh, viruses and these medicines, like patents on the virus and then patents on the on the uh, the the shot itself or the shot? Yes, it is a shot. That, that's a fair statement. It's a shot. So um, I think that's very uh, interesting and very concerning. And Dan- Daniel Horowitz has an article that just came out yesterday. And he talks about uh, Anthony Fauci's criminal disregard of life-saving treatment to keep people out of hospitals. And it's a long article, but let me commend it to you. In fact, we'll put it on our Facebook page, but in case, remember your pencil, because you probably will have to go right to The Blaze and find Daniel Horowitz's article, Fauci's Criminal Disregard. If you remember those three words, you can find it if you go straight to The Blaze. Okay, and you might, if you're lucky, you could might Google it. They might, if you're lucky, show it, but they might not either. So this is what Daniel reports. He says, last week, a massive study of Indian healthcare workers who took two doses of ivermectin was peer-reviewed. The results, those who took ivermectin were 83% less likely to get the virus, a much better result than the vaccines, which have failed to stop infection. The effect of ivermectin against critical illness is even better. I got my own uh, ivermectin for just $15, says Daniel. But most importantly, this and similar drugs can be used from day one when it is exponentially easier, easier to treat the virus. It is criminal that every elderly or even middle-aged person is not given this prescription by his or her doctor immediately following a positive test. In fact, there's no reason ivermectin should not be made available over the counter. Contrast that to remdesivir, the only standard of care. Remember, I told you in detail when my husband was in, in case some of you are new listeners, my husband was hospitalized for COVID pneumonia uh, about three, four weeks ago, maybe now. They're very sick and we were worried sick about him. And it was ivermectin that I was able to get for him that I believe saved him. I had COVID also and I took ivermectin and thank God uh, we're both, um, I think I'm a hundred percent. He's not quite, but he will be. But they did give him remdesivir in the hospital. That was standard treatment. 
So Daniel's telling you about remdesivir. I remember when it was approved, and the thing that they bragged about was that it would shorten your time in the hospital by three days. And I thought to myself, well, that's nothing. What, what is that? So if you get out, you know, if, if indeed you can recover, it'll shorten your stay by three days. And this was the thing they heralded. And they, the FDA proved it, and they made a ton of money. Some of these people, whoever they are, made a ton of money. Okay, so Daniel says, contrast the ivermectin that isn't available, uh, it has, you have to really look for it, to remdesivir, the only standard of care, for $3,000 a pop, but only when someone is in really bad shape. This is creating an unnatural rush on hospitals, both because untreated patients are already in worse shape and because people with milder cases are told the hospital is the only place to go to receive treatment. I know this is true. I've told you. I know it from my friends. I know it from our situation. It's disgraceful. I don't know how doctors can hold their heads high. And some of you in the medical profession uh, have bought... <laughs> you, the medical profession is as corrupt as anything right now. You have to look hard for an honest doctor who's willing to step out and take the risk of speaking the truth and give medicines that really treat people that have COVID. But um, this is final, Daniel's final uh, sentence here. The only thing to lose from an early treatment approach, the only thing we've bizarrely refused to do in this pandemic is money and power for Fauci's cronies. And it's true. It's true. So um, I want to give you a couple of tools here. This is, uh, again, a lot of you have asked me questions and for help in your email. And uh, I have to say before I even read your email, I am inadequately prepared to give you all the help you need. I just, I don't have the manpower. I don't have the time. So that doesn't mean I'm not going to try to help you, but I'm just telling you, I read these things and I feel the burden of your of your care. I feel, I pray for you, but I feel very inadequate to help each and every one of you in the way you need to be helped. And so one way that I can help you is to, I ask you again to please bring pencil and paper when you listen to the show. This It is getting harder and harder to find information. So if you can be uh, listening and write down the things that I'm suggesting to you, uh, that would be wonderful. Because then if you write me and ask me for that stuff and to please, you know, write it down and send it to you personally, you can imagine that that's just not possible. And so let's ha- let's help each other. So this is an, uh, um, this is something that's brand new. Came into my box this morning, and I know nothing about it other than it comes from someone that is uh, reliable uh, in terms of her research. She said she just learned about it, what's called the Informed Consent Action Network. It's a nonprofit based in Texas. It describes itself as quote investigating the safety of medical procedures, pharmaceutical drugs, and vaccines while educating the public of their right to, quote, informed consent. The homepage is, and we'll put this on our Facebook page, it's uh, icandecide.org, icandecide.org. So um, it looks like they wrote the DOJ last week requesting that the DOJ reconsider its drafted opinion, slip opinion, and enforce current law which prohibits mandating a product under emergency use authorization. So that is the vaccine, surely. And so um, I just want to give you that. I don't know know enough about them to further commend them, uh, but that will give you a place for you. You can start. Maybe your kids, if some of you are not really good on uh, online, maybe your kids can help you. Uh, so, um, all right, so let's go now to some of the email. I told you this week 
this is a story that really upset me, still upsets me, and I don't have an answer for it. But uh, it was the story of Antifa uh, coming in their black masks and their black hoods and their black clothing, bringing, uh, you know, um, firebombs and um, spray paint and bear spray and I don't know what else they sprayed uh, to a worship service on the, I think it must be on the inlet in Portland, the ocean inlet, taking the people's food, taking their food, uh, spraying their babies, their babies and children, stealing their personal family carts that they came. They had picnic uh, blankets around the park and stealing the carts that the families brought in with their stuff. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it's, and I, my point when I mentioned this was, I really am conflicted. They, they took the sound system, threw it in the bay or where the, the inlet, threw it in the water, and it completely destroyed and sprayed pastors in the face, uh, sprayed the people. It was horrific. And, um, and plus, we took the mic and said all kinds of blasphemous things. And I said to myself, and I said to you, what do Christian men do in response to this? What do the men of God do in response to that? The, the men there did resist in, on some level, so I really don't mean this as a criticism of them. I am just saying to myself, what is biblical here? So, and when, when can you fight? Can you fight then? Is it okay for men to fight then? And I did reference David's mighty men. Man, this is Old Testament, I know, but they were men of God and they were warriors. I think of uh, General Boykin, who's a good friend of Jerry Boykin, the founder of Delta Forces, such a good friend of mine. It'd be interesting to get him on to talk about this. But short of that, I ask you what you thought. So I got some responses, okay? This is from Joe. He said, I don't think Antifa would dare attack a Muslim meeting because they know that Muslim women would fight back. They will attack Christians worse and worse unless Christian men do likewise. The only problem, Joe, is, and you're going to hear this from other people, sorry. You're going to hear this from other people. We, we have a different um, standard than Muslim men, as you know. Uh, but it's a good observation, but then the standard for Christian men is different. What is the standard for Christian men? Surely there must be a provision for men to fight or else we wouldn't have Christian men going into the service like General Boykin who fought wars and you know defeated Nazis and other despots. Who's going to do that if Christian men don't fight? So um, that's from Joe. But the but the, the, the tension is, uh, I should read this next one. Yeah, I'll, I'll read this one. This will give you the other side. This is Susan. She was listening, and she said, You mentioned David's mighty men. I think that it's time for Christians to realize that our weapons are not carnal, but our weapons are spiritual. It reminds me of the time when the prophets of Baal had an encounter with Elijah and the one true God. Elijah didn't do anything except pray, and God sent fire from heaven. This is the kind of warfare we are going to need to engage in, where we call upon the name of the Lord to show himself in a supernatural way to these people. Just my thoughts. Susan, I don't disagree with any of that, but there is a, there's a double track here of the way, it seems to me, in Scripture, the way God works. Um, you remember, there's another prophet, and I, I was trying to remember, because I was rushing with show prep, and it is just me. There is a prophet, it, it might be Elijah, it might be, um, I don't... I just can't remember right offhand that God told him to go and kill uh, the king that they, the, the, the uh, Israelis were fighting. Kill, to, it was either slaughter the king and his sons. It was something like that. Maybe some of you can help me with that. I, actually, Adam, open the phone lines. It's uh, 
888-589-8840. I'm sure some of you know that right off, your, off the top of your tongue, and I don't. Uh, but that was another prophet who actually took a sword and killed people at the request of God. So that's that's a different, same God, but a different different thing in a different place. And um, so, and also, Susan, you have to think about the practical aspect of this. So let's say someone, uh, let's say you're a single mom. I don't know whether you are. I'm just, a, let's pretend that you're a single mom and you've got children. And somebody breaks into your house and begins to rape your 13-year-old daughter. Um, do you think that the Christian then stands by and just uh, waits for God to show himself supernaturally? I think some do. I think in some cases people might do that and God might intervene. In the case of the Antifa group, they were calling out in the name of Jesus. They were using Jesus' name, and the the Antifa responded by blaspheming Jesus' name. And um, God did not do something supernatural that we could see in that video, in that moment. Sometimes it seems like we just have to fight. That's why we have police. That's why we have arrests. That's why we have incarceration. That's why Romans Romans 8, about the powers that God establishes to bring order on this earth, it's just not clear to me. Okay, so that's Susan's point. And um, this is, um, yeah, this is from Pastor, Pastor Ian I'll give his last name because he's given it to me. Pastor Ian Trinkle from Arkansas. He said, the men of the church are not acting like men God God called them to be. Men of God are called to be kings, warriors, lovers, and friends. And we have lost that teaching. And men today will have one of the four traits, but not all four at once. It's hard seeing pastors and leaders not teaching or preaching to be men, to be men of God. If we get back to this type of teaching and preaching in every single church— not just a handful in every state. We will have an America that we used to have. But the church um, has been weak, is basically what he says. It's sad to see the church being attacked and men not stepping up. Then he goes on to point out, but that's not true all over the place. Some men have stepped up, and he's right. He said it all goes back to the teaching within that local church. That's true. And I think that, you know, men in churches have been feminized. I think that that's true. But I'm still not saying to you that I think that uh, men should, Christian men should go on, you know, with guns blazing and, you know, destroy anyone who uh, uh, is an opponent or even an, an outright enemy. Because I don't think that's true either. I, I really don't know where the line is. I have a couple of other email that I have to read. Um, I, I have to. So when we come back, we will open the phone lines, but I have to read some more. <laughs> okay, 888-589-8840. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. They say actions speak louder than words. Here at the American Family Association, we take that to heart. AFA Action is here to inform and help you get involved in cultural and moral issues. You can also sign up for our AFA Action Alert, which will inform you about these issues every week by email. To sign up and for more information, visit us at afaaction.net. Why are you still sitting there? If you want change, it starts with you. There is so much swirling around us right now, and I'm not just talking about the COVID pandemic. There are fires, there's heat, there's flooding, and then there's just normal everything that gets us down. I'm Charles Morris. Join me all week for a series on Haven Today called Christ in the Chaos. Haven Today, weekday mornings at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Listen online at AFR.net. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. 
and sin is lawlessness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. At the direction of Mr. J. Robinette and in defiance of a recent Supreme Court ruling, the CDC issued a new illegal 60-day moratorium on evictions. They say they issued this new order halting evictions to help slow the spread of COVID. When he announced this new illegal moratorium, Mr. Robinette admitted that the majority of legal scholars he consulted told him this move would not survive constitutional scrutiny. Yet he did it anyway. He even admitted they did it because by the time it reached SCOTUS, they would have already gotten more Americans hooked on government aid. That's the goal. More government dependency. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Hi, I'm Will Addison, and on behalf of American Family Association, we would like to invite married couples to participate in this month's By Design Challenge. It's simple but profound. Go to afa.net slash bydesign and sign a petition that expresses your commitment to your God-given marital covenant. While there, you will see a PDF file that will allow you to print out a covenant document for you to sign and date as a symbol of the promise you made before God to your spouse. Marriage was created by God for His glory. No wonder the enemy fights so hard to destroy it because he hates anything God creates. Go to afa.net slash bydesign to be encouraged and reminded that our marriage is God's marriage and it's worth fighting for. One man, one woman, for life. For life. To participate in this month's challenge, visit afa.net slash bydesign. This is Frank Effney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The wrecking operation masquerading as the Biden presidency has added a new dimension to its long litany of self-inflicted wounds. The United States is now ignominiously groveling. For example, this week, the administration pleaded with the victorious Taliban to take time off from executing the allies we are abandoning in Afghanistan to allow safe passage out of the country for their erstwhile leaders facing a last stand in Kabul. Then, it begged Arab petrostates to increase production of oil and gas to make up for our energy shortfalls precipitated by the Biden-Harris team's insane dismantling of one of Donald Trump's most important bequests to America, namely energy independence. The trouble with such pathetic behavior is that it breeds contempt from adversaries and prompts allies to switch sides. That's a formula for more foes and fewer friends in a vastly more dangerous world. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios back with you. I'm not, I, please forgive me, I'm not going to take the calls, but I'm going to give Lee in Virginia. He says, Elijah was the prophet who killed 450 prophets himself. And then uh, Michael says, Samuel killed Agag. And Tommy says, yeah, Tommy repeats in Texas that Elijah killed all of Baal's prophets. So uh, my point, I can't go into that story. It's just my point is this. That God had one prophet do nothing. He had another prophet actually physically kill. Uh, so God does not work the same way every time. Now, that doesn't mean that his, uh, his ways, uh, that his principles change or his... But that it's, it's hard to know, uh, again, what Christian men should do. 
when a worship service is attacked. I mean, most churches now have people that carry guns. My husband's one of them. Uh, because if someone comes into the church, are you going to just let them slaughter everyone? Are you going to fight back? No, I think you're going to. I think you should fight back. We can't allow evil to just uh, have its way with, uh, our, especially uh, our innocents, like our children, our babies, uh, people that are weaker, the disabled, whatever. We just uh, we know that uh, we are called to protect them. But anyway, I want to read this email from you because it's from Stefan. Um, he said, "I can only say this, Sandy. When I leave my home, I am armed." My wife doesn't go to the store anymore because our three children are target. Uh, God is working hard in our lives, and we have to fight so hard. Last year, I had my car stopped. I was at the front of the line at a stoplight, and a large African-American man beat on my hood, wanting my money uh, and not allowing me to move. I vowed that I would not be a victim from that day on. I live in Houston. As far as the Portland attack, would loving your neighbor be letting babies be pepper-sprayed? No, loving your neighbor would be defending the innocent against evil. And don't get it mistaken that these people are evil. Um, he says some very nice things to me personally. He said, I listen to you every day for your insight. I'm 28 and I felt like an island when all of my peers have given into degeneracy. Thank you for the reminder that even when I feel alone, Jesus and my brothers and sisters in Christ feel the same. Fight the good fight. We are here listening. Stefan, it just moved me so much. Moved me a lot. To hear you say that, and uh, reminds me, once again, of the responsibility that I have. So um, I want to give you a couple of other uh, things. This is uh, from Lori. She works at Walmart, and they're getting ready to make all of them have vaccinations. And she's trying to, of course, to she's replying for a religious exemption. So she's offering a really good tool. So pencils ready for those of you. Many of you have written me about this. You're in a situation where you're going to be forced to be vaccinated, so here's what to look at. On Gab, it's news.gab.com, and uh, it's uh, COVID vaccine religious exemption documents here. COVID vaccine religious exemption documents here. Adam, put that on our Facebook page, please. We will have to get that link. I think the link is, let me give it as clearly as I can. It's really complicated, but if it's uh, news.gab.com, and... Uh, Important download COVID vaccine religious exemption documents. So um, uh, hopefully that will help. And uh, Lori, thanks so much for sending that. We will save that. In fact, Adam, write that down to save it for me because I need help. All right. And this is, um, oh, you should be me this morning reading your, please. I, it honestly breaks my heart. And I do pray for you when I read these. This is from Linda. Can you tell me if you've heard anything on the effect of new babies whose uh, uh, new babies whose mom took the COVID shot? My granddaughter was born Saturday, and niece, my niece's daughter born last September, and both have similar serious birth defects. One being that they cannot eat and have feeding tubes and congestive heart problems. Linda, I I am not in any position at all to declare anything. I just have to make that clear right up front because I cannot. I'm not qualified. To give medical advice, I can tell you what bits I know. Uh, what bits I know is that they did not do research in this vaccine. They can, what, for whatever reason, they have not done studies on the effect, at least not official studies, on the effect of uh, this on childbearing women and their babies. And they continue to tell us that there's, there's no effect whatsoever. They declare it adamantly. Uh, but the point is that there is no proof of that. There's no proof that it hurts babies and their mothers. 
And there's no proof that it doesn't. And this is not the first time I've heard something like this. I did hear from a doctor because I listened to his lecture the third time yesterday. I listened to it again. And he said when they were experimenting with these vaccine uh, shots in mice, that the mice that received the the mice-bearing shot, little female mice, uh, their fertility decreased by 16%. And then I've heard lots of stories of people, stories now, this is all anecdotal. How do I know what the numbers are of women who have died uh, in childbearing years with people who've lost their babies? I've heard a lot of these stories, but that is not conclusive. I'm just saying, and it all just often center around the heart. So I, I this, and did you know that uh, I had an article? I've got to get this right because um, I thought I had this in my pile, but I don't. I believe it's the FDA is in the process, or they're in the process of uh, wanting to vaccinate pregnant women. And uh, I cringed when I read that one too. I could find it if I had a minute, but I don't have a minute. So, uh, Adam, I'm going to ask you to remind me to find that so that I can tell them uh, when, when, when next we speak on the air. All right, this is another one. This is from Michelle. My son and his fiance are living together and they have a baby due in November. She is coercing him to get the shot. She's threatening him that either they need to wear their masks all the time at home or she's going to get the shot while she's pregnant or she's going to keep the child from him or a combination of all three. She's adamant and loud about her stand. He is sick and heartbroken and torn about it all. Even before this, I've been praying that God would soften their hearts and draw them both to him. I, uh, I don't know what to say to that, except you can see how our enemies, and then, of course, the enemy with a capital E is using this. This is, um, here's another one. This is from Keith. He says, my sister, who has been vaccinated, has said I cannot see her in person unless I get the shot. I will respect her request. However, it's ridiculous. He says, I pray that she changes her mind. He feels like he's, uh, it's him against his family, and she, he's afraid he won't be able to see them. His wife is also on his sister's side. She thinks he's crazy and that he listens to weird people. And uh, he said her main sources are local news and ABC. He said he works in a hospital in Ohio, and so far they have only encouraged us to get the shot, but it's uh, not mandated it yet. He says, I won't ever take that shot, even if it becomes fully authorized. I don't trust it. If I have to be fired here or quit, um, his wife is threatening divorce. (sighs) And then he says, I trust my Lord Jesus more than anything or anyone else. And he says, I'm going to organize a group if my hospital system mandates this shot. I personally feel it will happen as more companies and government agencies shoving it down the throat. It's interesting, Keith, because you are one of so many, a huge, really, percentage of medical personnel who are refusing to get this. And um, I just find that curious. I think I mentioned that when my husband was in, he was in COVID, like ICU, for uh, a week, six days, and almost every person he spoke to who was taking care of him said, they're not, they're not, they don't have this shot. They're not going to get it. I just think that's there's got to be reason for that, don't you think? Um, okay, I'm going to stop for a second because I could I could take the whole time reading these, but let me go to Craig in Virginia. Craig, good morning. Good morning. Yeah. So, what's on your mind, Craig? Oh, hello. Uh, thank you, Sandy. I so appreciate you and your show daily, and uh, look forward to listening every day. Thank you. Thank uh, you. My, my, my um, you were you were mentioning how the. Um, Example of Christians in engaging in times like this, and I thought a prime example was during the Civil War, 
when union pastors encouraged or admonished their parishioners to fight against the injustice of slavery and fighting the right things for the right reasons and, and uh, fighting from and in righteousness. Yeah, that's absolutely that true. Example. Yeah, that's true, Craig. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much for bringing that to mind. And I, that reminds me, you know, the uh, Battle Hymn of the Republic, which played that song, played uh, a tremendous role in rallying people uh, to fight to free slaves. And it, as I understand it, the Harriet, oh gosh, it's Harriet Ward, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Stowe, I can't remember the names right in this quick moment, but the writer uh, of the words was, as I understand it, visiting uh, one of the encampments of the Northern Army, and she was watching, you remember that phrase, I can see, I can I can read his righteous sentence in the dare, in the dare, uh, uh dim and glaring lamps. And what she's saying is she saw soldiers reading God's word in the campfires and those dim lamps, and that's what she's referring to. So yes, uh, there was a righteous indignation. This didn't fuel everyone that fought in the Civil War, but for many people, uh, the, the, the Uncle Tom's Cabin book was uh, like a, just like a bolt of lightning as they realized how slaves were being treated and so you bet, Christians were very involved in that. And also, and Karen in Ohio is reminding me, and, and Karen, I'm just going to take remind take your reminder instead of taking your call because of the time. She's reminding me of the Black Road Regiment in uh, the, the uh, Revolutionary War, where the pastors were, you know, they were at the heart of the Revolutionary Revolt against King George for a number of reasons. There's this famous story of a pastor who was uh, preached a sermon in his a pastor's garb, is his robe. Uh, and uh, at the end of the sermon, took his robe off and had a uniform on and then walked down the aisle and left and joined the, the army, uh, joined the revolutionary forces. So, yeah, we have a, an American history of this, uh, but it still is confusing. Isn't it biblically confusing? And especially to know how Christian men should respond to, to attacks from people like Antifa. Let's go to Michigan. Kathy is a nurse. Kathy, what are your thoughts about, we've been talking about COVID and doctors and all of that. So what are your thoughts I am infuriated as an emergency room nurse. The statistics they're given are based on no scientific actual research. I have seen several patients now that had COVID prior, got the shots, um, thought they were vaccinated. They come back so sick, their lungs complete whiteouts. And pulmonologists are saying, oh, it looks like he has some autoimmune issue. It, they're not following these. They're not reporting these. It is so unscientific. It just angers me to no end. Kathy, it's just, it's worse than unscientific, isn't it? It's, it really is. I know this is a word you're not supposed to use too often, but it is so Nazi-esque. It's like that we're, we're in the world doctors become so unconcerned about the health of their patients and more concerned about making a political statement. And I read, what did this doctor that I listened to three times now, this lecture, uh, one of the things he said is that uh, there's so many, I think, I don't know if the death count is from the uh, vaccine, and we don't know because we don't have official reporting. The VARS is uh, voluntary, and so we don't know. It's thousands, it's thousand, I think 4,000 comes to my mind. Although I sh- don't, please don't quote me on that because I'd have to check it. But thousands... And his point was, there's only been one autopsy? No, he said they just quickly say, no, 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 it's not from the vaccine. No, 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 it can't be that. Uh, be, and they don't do autopsies to really investigate the cause of death. And that's, he made your point. It is so unscientific. It's so 
against uh, the Hippocratic Oath. It's against all that you've been taught. I can't even imagine, Kathy, the conflict for people like you. Is there? Do you have any further comments before I say bye to you? Um, in my entire time during this COVID pandemic, which doesn't even meet the qualifications for a pandemic, not one of the physicians that I've worked with, which we get a rotating amount of them, has ever told people that have been positive um, tested to to go home, take your vitamin D, take some zinc, here's some ivermectin, here's hydroxychloroquine, nothing, not even aspirin. Just go home, and if you feel worse, come back. Not once have they given them anything that they could do proactively, and it makes me furious. I educate the patients, one doctor. Kathy, you're echoing exactly what I'm seeing where I live. I've said it several times, and you're just verifying it. How dare they? How dare they? When there are treatments that are effective, they are letting, they're not, they're, this is the equivalent of Andrew Cuomo sending in COVID patient uh, positive people back into nursing homes. This is an intentional act uh, that is causing the death of thousands of people. It's just horrendous. Kathy, God bless you and keep you as you stand firm wherever you are. And I'm sure you're doing everything you can within your power to help people. Thanks a lot. And uh, let me just say, oh, oh gosh, I've got so many people here. I, just some practical help. Some of you are looking for a, 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 a reason, a, a medical reason to not take the vaccine. And you're asking me, I can't help you. And you go to Frontline Doctors. Go to that website. They will. They have a list of doctors in your geographic area and go through them. Someone asked me in Kentucky uh, to uh, information about face masks. And Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, uh, he is the go-to person on that uh, for information. Um, and that's about as far as about as far as I can go for today. Maybe God bless and keep each and every one of you as you fight this fight. We're in it together, and it's not over. By the way, it is not over. Sandy Reels in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith. Faith.